Now turn with me tonight in your Bible to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 17. And we're going to read from the verse 16. Let's hear the word of the Lord together. We're reading, of course, from the authorized version. Acts chapter 17, verse 16. Let's hear God's word. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? Others, some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto the Erpeus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine, wherefore thou speakest this, for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, we would know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath, and all things, and have made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, although he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. Howbeit certain men cleave unto him, and believed, among the which was Dionysus, the Apriagite, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. 
Amen. And the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own infallible and inerrant word. My text tonight is taken from Acts chapter 17, verse 26. It reads as follows. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell in all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. And my theme this evening is in the form of a question, and the question is this, do all lives matter? Or are some lives more important and more valuable than other men's lives? Now, as the minister of the gospel, I personally believe in the dignity and the sanctity of all human life. I want to say tonight that I believe that all lives matter, regardless of skin color, of a person's ethnicity, their politics, or their station in life. I want to tell you something else tonight. I believe that there's a biblical answer to racism in all its forms, and it is connected inseparably to a biblical understanding of the sanctity and dignity of human life. Now, for the past five months, the world media has bombarded us not only with the daily diet of COVID-19, but with a daily diet of the Black Lives Matter organization. The Black Lives Matter organization especially on a a worldwide stage, is protesting in light of the George Floyd killing in the month of May while under police arrest. Now, regrettably, many of these protests have turned violent in nature. They have been looting, burning of buildings and cars, fighting and shooting of other people. Now, I did not know George Floyd. He lived in the United States. He was an American citizen. But I have listened to a video on YouTube of a dear lady called Candace Owens who stated that George Floyd was no saint, that he was a serious criminal offender who'd been in and out of jail that he had a string of convictions for criminal behavior, and that he was also involved in drug taking. Now, while all that information from Candace Owens may be true in George Floyd's life, it doesn't in any way justify any kind of police brutality against him. I want to say tonight the video of him dying is very disturbing, and one can then understand the high level of righteous anger and indignation in relation to his killing. But I want to also say tonight that that anger doesn't justify looting, burning of buildings or cars, or the shooting dead of civilians or members of the police force. I must confess that I have been equally 
appalled by some of the news outlets during these past five months who seem bent on the promotion of the Black Lives Matter organization and its agenda. There have been adverts in TV. They have been replacements of TV personalities to make room for what is called, in inverted commas, diversity. Regrettably, the Football Association got involved early on the act and football teams were instructed to have Black Lives Matter letters emblazoned on their football shirts. Many footballers in the football world then willingly before the world's media took the knee in support of this Black Lives Matter organization, allegedly in a symbol of solidarity. And by the way, next Lord's Day, we will have a follow-up message about taking the knee in relation to that subject. Now, Formula One also got involved. Could I tell you tonight that the Black Lives Matter organization in the United States of America and the United Kingdom is a major left-wing fascist organization. It supports abortion on demand. It funds planned parenthood in the United States. It's called for the defunding of the police. That's a code name for the destruction of the police. It advocates the desecration of our war memorials. It is called for the taking down of statues of men involved in the sordid slave trade. I believe an attempt to rewrite history. Remember, it was William Wilberforce, and for the young people, William Wilberforce, while he was a member of parliament and a very rich man, was a born-again Christian whose love for Christ and the gospel led him to spearhead a campaign in parliament for the abolition of the slave trade. And did you know this? That he was also aided and abetted by the Reverend John Newton, who was a former slave owner and slave trader, turn believer and turn preacher. The Black Lives Movement organization also promotes the LGBT agenda. And two of the biggest promoters of this fascist left-wing propaganda, sadly, is the BBC and Sky Television. I have cancelled my Sky Television Subscription. One of the biggest lies being told by the media outlets is this that white police officers are deliberately shooting dead black men because they are black. And I want to say tonight that is a lie. And the facts and the statistics do not support this. And when proper research has gone into it, it debunks this as a falsehood in the United States of America. It's statistically proven by the FBI themselves 
that the police force in the United States of America shoot twice as many white men as they do black men. And that is despite the fact that almost 66% of all crime in America is committed by non-white people. Could I encourage you tonight to listen to the interview by that lovely lady called Candace Owens? It's on YouTube. And she, of course, is a lovely lady of color. And she tells you quite openly why I cannot support and will not support the Black Lives Movement organization. I also want to encourage you to listen to a sermon by a man called Matthew Trewella on police brutality, racism, and leftism. Now, I'm telling you quite upfront, I don't agree with all that. Matthew Truella says or teaches, I, I don't know him, but his research, his fact-finding mission is second to none on this subject. And he debunks the falsehood and the propaganda of the media outlets, especially in the United States of America. You see, media outlets like the BBC and Sky Television are only supposed to be there to report the news. But they're not reporting the news. They are making the news. And what is true in the United States of America is true in the United Kingdom. And we here in Northern Ireland, we have been affected and we have been conditioned into a way of thinking by a left wing, and I say this deliberately, pro-IRA, pro-LGBT, pro-abortion, anti-God, anti-Christ media. And it's time that we in the church spoke up and said, this is wrong, and it's a lie, and it's false. Now, don't get me wrong tonight. Black lives do matter. And I say that as related to some people of color. But I want to add this. All lives matter. Regardless of the color of a person's skin. Regardless of their ethnicity. Regardless of their station in life. Regardless of their politics of the day. And let me tell you why. And I want to base my remarks in Acts 17 verse 26. Listen to the text again. Read it with me. And hath, remember this is a God-breathed word, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell in all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Now let me give you four reasons why I believe that all lives matter. And here's the first one. God is the creator of all men. Notice the words, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell in all the face of the earth. Paul is in Athens. He's preaching the word of God. And he starts with a subscription that he's found in a tombstone, thinking to himself, this city's given to idolatry, very superstitious religious place. How can I reach these people? Here's a little sign that says, to an unknown God, so he starts at the beginning and he introduces them as Athenians to God as creator and God as maker. You see, many are asking, even in places like Hollywood, and that's not our Hollywood in County Down, that's the Hollywood in Los Angeles and California, 
Where do we come from? We don't know. And who are we? Well, we don't know. But I want to say here's the answer. We came from God. He is our creator and maker. It's in him we move and live in a being. We are made all lives in the image of God. Turn over there in your Bible to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Here's a text that teaches us that God created man in his own image. So every person matters to God because he's an image bearer of God. The Bible describes all human beings here of being of one blood. Do you know that we're all related? Do you know that the inhabitants of the earth are really all one big family? Do you know tonight that we're all descendants from one man? The first man? Who was the first man? Well, I'll give you the answer. It was Adam. Genesis 2 and 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Genesis 2, 7 is not a, a, a different creation from Genesis 1, 26. It's an expansion. It's an explanation of how God made man in his image. Here's how God did it. He took the dust of the ground. He formed a human body. And he breathed into that human body the breath of life. And that individual became a living soul. And that individual was Adam. The first man. And then that first man sinned. Over there in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 5. And in the verse 12. The apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome said this. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Adam was guilty of the sin of disobedience against his God. And we sinned in Adam. And we became guilty, polluted sinners in Adam. And we inherited hearts that love sin in Adam. Because the Bible says in Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Can I tell you something else that's wonderful? Jesus Christ became a descendant of Adam's race when he became a man. When he was incarnated in the womb of the virgin, when he was born in the fullness of time, when he, when he came from heaven to earth, I believe tonight in the doctrine of the incarnation. I believe in the eternality of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I believe in the literal virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Do you know, I believe as well he lived a sinless life. He died in atoning death. He rose again bodily from the dead. Do you know that Jesus Christ is called in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45? The second Adam. As in Adam all die. So in Christ the second Adam shall all be made alive. See what I want you to understand tonight. Is that all human beings are descendant of Adam. Now if this is true. And I believe it is. And our thinking is based and rooted in the word of God. Then we will think and act differently towards men, all men. 
We will act in accordance with the standard and teaching of the Word of God. We will treat other human beings as relatives because we are of one blood. All of us have equal value before our Creator God. All men need to repent and believe the gospel. All men need to hear the gospel. That Jesus Christ was born for sinners, lived for sinners, died for sinners, rose again for sinners. You see, there has to be a rethinking. There has to be a reprogramming of our hearts and minds to begin to think biblically in relation to this subject of racism. We're all members of the one human race. There only is one race in the world. And that's the human race. Do you know tonight that it can be scientifically proven that all men are closely related biologically? You think tonight of peoples, peoples of color, black, brown, white, yellow, red. What are we? Well, we're all human beings. We're all homo sapiens. And scientists are agreed that we're all related biologically. We're a race. What are we if we ask the science? Biologically, we're a race of human beings. Yes, there are some genetic differences between people of color. There's genetic variations between people groups. But no more than 0.012%. See, the differences don't stem from color. They stem from culture. And it's only to do with the amount of melting that's in our DNA with which we were born. Well, let's understand tonight that we're all sinners. Let's understand tonight that we're all, all born with inbuilt biases and prejudice. And that affects then how we approach people when we're faced with outward appearances and facial features and size and height and weight and shape and voice and color. You see, people today tell me the church needs to deal with the issue of racism. Now, if that is true, we've got to start with the Bible. We've got to start with the solid right foundation. And it's this. Here's the foundation. God is the creator of all men. So if we let our heart and mind be renewed that God is the creator of all men and we stand in this proper scriptural foundation and we allow our hearts and minds to be judged by this, then every attitude will be rooted to the absolute authority of the word of God. You see, as a church, we want to reject all forms of Darwinian evolutionary ideas. And I'm convinced tonight, I believe in my heart, that the subject of racism needs to be confronted with the word of God. And if I see that we're all members of the one human race, then regardless of birth and skin or color or ethnicity, then I, I, I will say that this is my brother. This is my sister. I am one blood with this person. They only have a lesser shade or a deeper shade of, of uh, melanin than, than I have. Remember the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 16 and 7 that man looks in the outward appearance, but God looks in the heart. And if we see our brother and sister as relatives, then we'll ask ourselves, well, how can I help them? 
I'll treat people the way Jesus Christ did on the basis of truth and righteousness and judgment. Let me just add this. I believe, of course, that man is different from the animals. He's better than higher than the animals. Why? He's got an immortal soul. He's going to live forever, ever in heaven or in hell. Uh, man also has a conscience. He can think and feel. He's got emotions. Um, the conscience, of course, needs to be regulated by the word of God. Let me tell you a little story. One of my favorite sweets, and I don't rush out to buy them, is licorice all sorts. Of course, I'm on a diet, so I'm not allowed sweets at this moment in time. Okay? Did you know that a man by the name of Harry Thompson was showing another man sweets in a tray? Sweets that he had made, and they were all sorts of licorices, different colors. And he was trying to sell them to this man. He wanted the man to buy them. So here he comes in from the back of his shop with this tray of different colored uh, licorice, all sorts sweets. And he trips either in the mat or the step. And of course he goes forward and the tray just, it just goes everywhere. And the sweets roll about the floor. And he's embarrassed and he's thinking to himself, well, you know, uh, this man's not going to buy any sweets now. And, and as the man looked, and this is a true story, as the man looked at all the sweets lying about the floor, he said to Harry, I want all of the sweets. The man saw yellow ones and pink ones and black ones and, 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 and red ones. And you see, he said to Harry, I want you to put them all in a bag, all those sorts of licorices. And that's where the term licorice all sorts come from. And you think of the, the assortment of different colored people in the world, lots of people of different color, but what are they? They're all human beings. And God has made them all. And they're all precious, unique in his sight. When I listened to Ken Ham, the uncertain Genesis director, deal with this subject, he told a story that he was at uh, a particular place where he had to fill in a form and part of the back of the form with ethnicity and there was a whole host of things whether you were African Caribbean or, or whether you were American or whether you were Polish or Jewish or Irish or British and a little box at the bottom and it said other and, and he ticked other and he wrote in the box when it asked to specify other he wrote in Adam's race and of course he presented the form to the woman and the woman was looking at it and Adam's race? So what does this mean? So he got 30 seconds to preach the gospel and tell her about Christ. Adam being the first man, Christ being related to Adam and how Christ came, bled and died and he presented the gospel to that particular lady. See, God is the creator of all men. Let me move on very quickly. I'll look at the time. God is the lawgiver for all men. You see, when I think about those riots of looting and burning and shooting, I thought to myself, but we're not to fight evil with evil because God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I'll repay. Do you know that tonight God is the lawgiver? Over there in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 19, the apostle Paul could say this in writing to the church at Rome. Listen to what he said. He said, now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. 
The world of religious men are guilty before God. The world of righteous, respectable men, blameless in their own eyes, are guilty before God. The world of reckless men, the men who are headed, the, the men who, have, who, who are high-minded and, and, and have thrown off all restraints, they're guilty before God, according to God's law. You see, God has given us his law, the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments is not taught in school today. Maybe that's why there's part of the moral decline in our society. The moral law of God shows us how holy God is. It also shows us how sinful we are. It's repeated twice, Exodus 20. It's repeated in the book of Deuteronomy, the second law. That's what the word Deuteronomy means. So, so there's a backup. 40 years after it was given on the, on the banks of Jordan as we're about to cross over into Canaan land, it, it was given again to stir up their hearts by remembrance. Let me say tonight that sinful fallen man cannot and does not keep the law of God. It's impossible. And you see, part of the problem today religiously is apostate Protestantism teaches that the law is a kind of ladder to reach to heaven. And that's why they're promoting a works-based religion. Do the best that you can. But remember, Galatians 3.24 tells us what the law is. It's our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ because the law shows us our sin. And the law teaches us it's impossible in our own strength, by the works of our own hands, to merit heaven. And the law of God therefore teaches us our, our need of Jesus Christ. Remember Paul said, I have not known sin except the law said, thou shalt not covet. The seventh commandment said, thou shalt not commit adultery. And isn't it sad tonight and regrettable that one of the leading scientists who was advising the government in relation to COVID-19 lockdown, who got an OBE in 2002 for advising the government during the uh, terrible foot and mouth disease in Northern Ireland, where six million cattle, cows and calves and pigs were put to death. This man flouted his own social distancing rules to forge a relationship with another woman who wasn't his wife. And he had to stand down from his position. He was guilty of hypocrisy. That's one of the chief men behind the lockdown. Do you know, you couldn't make it up. Because there's many tonight in the higher echelons of government who have absolutely no regard or thought for the things of God. And if you take the Ten Commandments, any one of them are all ten, and you think of the things that God forbids us to do, and the things that are implied in those Ten Commandments for us to do, the things that God requires, then we, be, we begin to see how far short we've actually come. And of course the Ten Commandments teach us about man's relationship to God, the first four, and the next six, our relationship to our fellow man. And if a person is stealing, then they're, they're breaking the Eighth Commandment, thou shalt not steal. If they're killing uh, with cold-blooded intentional murder, then they're violating uh, thou shalt not kill. If, if they have anger in their heart, if they have lust in their heart, They'll be looking in things on the internet or things on the laptop to do with pornography. These things are wrong. This is sin. This is, this is lust that's driving this. You see, all of us are guilty of sin. And in all its many facets, the law of God condemns us because the law is good, the law is holy, and the law is righteous. And God is the lawgiver over all men. His universal law is applied inscrutably. 
Could I tell you something else very quickly? God is the only redeemer of men. People have asked, is there a remedy? Is there a cure for man's sin? And the heart of the problem, I want to tell you tonight, is the problem of the human heart. Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful and above all things desperately wicked. Who can know it? And is there a cure for the human heart and for man's sin? Their answer is yes. Acts 4 and verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. The answer is in the personal work of Christ, his birth, his life, his atoning death, his resurrection. Not in a philosophy. Not in a set of principles, not in a code of ethics, but in a relationship with God through faith in Christ. If we're all under sin, if we're all guilty before God, then men need to repent of that sin before God. And all classes of men, all kinds of men, are exhorted in the scripture to face up to their sin. Told that they've got a soul, that they need to be saved. That they need to be brought to repentance. Remember the man in the uh, temple, God be merciful to me, the sinner. Remember Peter cried out, Lord save me, I perish. It was Paul himself said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus come into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. On what ground does he save sinners? Not on a works-based righteousness, but in his own righteousness that he earned in a sinless life and his atoning death. He kept the law of God perfectly. He fulfilled it to every jot and tittle. He, he, he paid its penalty in full unto the point where he gave himself up voluntarily unto the death of the tree. Remember Hebrews 10, 12 tells us, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. You see, in Paul's day, there was these um, Epicureans, who believed that pleasure was the chief goal and there's no life after death and you've got to overcome your fear of death, go into annihilation. And these Stoics who believed that there was good in the human soul and that man was self-sufficient and should become self-reliant and, and be, be full of pride and full of self-esteem. See, they, they were rivals to Paul's teaching. But what did Paul preach? He preached Jesus and the resurrection. He preached the personal work of Christ. But he started with God. God is creator and God is maker. God is lawgiver. God then as redeemer of men. And he ends with God. He, I believe he confronted the deism of the day. He, he confronted the Epicureans. He confronted the Stoics. He confronted racism. It's all here in this. I haven't time to open it up. God is the only redeemer of men. And God's redeemer is Jesus Christ. Can I tell you in closing, God is the summoner of all men. If you look at our text, it says, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Oh, that we could rediscover that God is the ultimate righteous judge. There is a God, not only a God to whom we're dependable as far as life is concerned, physically and every other aspect of life, but a God to whom we're accountable. Remember in um, Romans 14 and verse 12, it says, Then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Do you know that George Floyd, you could judge his lifestyle, he was trying to defraud a shopkeeper 
And, and he will give an account of that sin and every other sin. The police officers will be judged of their treatment of him and they'll be held accountable. And when I think of that man's death, I have to be honest, I saw him as a human being. I, I didn't see him as a man of color. I think of the Black Lives Matter protesters and their rioting and their looting and their shooting. And they will be judged. And all their attitudes and all their actions will be judged by the word of God. And I will be judged by that same God. And you will be judged by that same God. And do you know the standard that God will use? Turn over there to John chapter 12. Look with me at verse 48. Listen to the scripture. John 12 and 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word, the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. You see this book that we call the Bible? This book will be there in judgment day and the books will be opened and we'll be judged out of the things that are written in the book. Every sin in its attitude, in its action, in its announcement. There'll be no cover-up. They'll not be covered over. There'll be conviction of sin, of righteousness and judgment to come. That's what Paul says at the end of this chapter, Acts 17, 31, because he appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. How? By that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he had given assurance unto all men. This is the ultimate judge, this is going to happen. How do we know? In that he hath raised her from the dead. The empty tomb is proof. There's going to be a judgment day. And all men are destined for a judgment day. And where will you stand in that judgment day? Do you know that he has numbered our days? He has appointed the bounds of our habitation. Do you know that he holds the breath that we breathe in our hands? You breathe about 18 times per minute. You breathe about 1,080 times per hour. That's 25,000 in every 24 hours. And if you're 40 in this meeting, you've already been gifted 365 million breaths. And every breath is a gift from this God, his creator, who is lawgiver, who has sent the only redeemer of sinners, and who will summons all men on the day of their death before him. And the Bible says, and with this I finish, in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, the apostle Paul says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. And when we stand at the judgment, it lay there be well done, good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord, or it will be depart from me, ye cursed, ye worker of iniquity, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. They'd say, Lord, we have done this. We've preached in your name. We, 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 we were involved in this organization. We gave this amount of money. We, we done this and we, we had this supernatural power. And if you read Matthew 7, verse 23, what does it say? Then at that time will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See, the Lord knows them that are his. But he says to his, depart from iniquity. Hate sin and loathe it and turn from it to me. 
Why do all lives matter? This is a subject that I've been carrying about for months. And I, and I, I didn't want to preach it too soon. But why do all lives matter? Because God is creator. God is lawgiver. God is the only redeemer of sinners. And God is the sovereign of all men as the ultimate judge before him to judge them according to his word. Now where do you stand tonight in relation to Christ? Do you belong to him? Can you say, uh, this is my beloved and my friend in relation to Christ. He's my Lord and redeemer. If you're his, then have a hatred for sin and a love for righteousness. And if you're not his, repent and believe the gospel tonight and come to him. The Lord bless you. Thanks for coming.